Hello there and you're very welcome to Tech Thursday. This is Patrick Sheehan with you for the next hour or so. I'm going to be browsing through lots of the, lo the latest tech news and uh, seeing what's the latest stories in the world of tech. Uh, I'll also be mixing in a bit of music and uh, yeah, that's about it. So what I usually do is go through most of the major tech sites and open up the main stories and just have a browse through them, see what's see what's up and coming and, and let you know uh, anything. In my own tech world, any bits and pieces, I, I got a new TV this week because uh, my TV is kind of getting very out of date now. It's a, it's a full HD TV, it's a grand one, but it uh, needs up upgrading and there's some good deals out there at the moment. Uh, so I got a 65-inch um, Toshiba TV. Uh, it's 4K HDR. Um, it's not the best TV you can get, you know, that kind of thing, but it was a great deal. It was like 470 euros, so it's quite good now. Um, I have yet to set it up. I got a new pedestal stand and things for it, so... Uh, yeah, it's something that needed upgrading. You know, uh, I've got a Roku recently, and, you know, that streams in 4K and everything, and I haven't even been able to use it in 4K, and, uh, it, you know... I catch up with the times a bit since I'm a person that uh, that does a lot of tech news and <laughs> that's into the technology. Uh, it'd be nice to catch up a little bit. So looking forward to that now. I need to set it up. I had a delivery. Uh, the DHL boys arrived at a quarter past seven this morning. <laughs> Put, uh, d delivering the box into the door. Social distancing. There's this, uh, you grab. They brought the box to the door and you grab one end and I'll grab the other end and just left it at the door to me. So that was grand. They were very nice fellas and that has to be done. Uh, so looking forward to setting that up now. Um, anybody that's interested in... if I. TVs and things like that, I suppose. Some of the things you want to... It's very confusing. There's... I was browsing. Uh, a few friends of mine are looking at TVs as well. And, and the friend of mine was actually looking for um, uh, a Sony TV, Bravia. And so I was looking for him as well. And he was looking himself. And it's very confusing. There's like four TVs that are, say, 65-inch uh, that are... Not they're not OLED. They're just um, normal LED TVs. Say f Sony Bravias, even same size screen, same resolution, 4K, everything like that, but vastly different prices. And we're trying to decipher actually, and we never actually really solved it. <laughs> What's the actual difference? You know, it comes down to I suppose the, the sound systems that are built in, the refresh rates. Uh, that's a big thing as well, refresh rate. Uh, the level of HDR, there's different types of HDR technology, the actual panels, but a lot of LG then make a, most of the, well, a lot of the panels for a lot of the different TVs. Uh, they just share them out like Samsung, which like uh, if you have an iPhone or a lot of different other phones, uh, it's mostly Samsung that make the panels for them because apparently it's not fin financially viable for all these companies to be making them separately. There's just... It, it works out cheaper for them just to have others make the panels and because they're very expensive to make and so if one company has I was reading something about it if they have a process for making them very efficiently and selling them to all the others that's the only way it seems to work so that's how the, the market has worked itself out that Samsung just supplies a lot of these companies with their screens so anyway uh, yeah the world of <laughs> TVs is, I've been looking into the last few weeks is very uh, confusing, but there's a lot of deals out there. It seems to be good deals in 65 inches. Uh, 75 inch TVs are still a little bit. You're pushing up to the thousand euro mark, but then like you you're going sub uh, 400 for 65 inch. So there's a big gap there where you're balancing between uh, price and uh, size. We'll say if you wanted a bigger TV. Now, if it was another say. Uh, maybe 100, 150 euro uh, for 75 inch, uh, might, might have considered it, but um, yeah, there's too much of a there's too much of a gap there still price wise for a bigger one. And OLED is the same kind of thing. Although I've seen now you can get uh, is it 55 inch OLED um, for 1800 euro now, which you know. For the size, I suppose, oh, if you're thinking of LED or something like that, it's it's expensive. But for OLED, for what they were like for 55 inch OLED a couple of years ago, you're talking four and a half, five grand. So they've they've come down to like 1800 or so now. Um, so they're 
within reach in the next few years, I presume, if they keep coming down, that there'll be bigger OLEDs for less money. So they're, they are like OLED are the best, all right, like especially what they're kind of designed for is in the dark. Of course, the, 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 the black images on the screen actually are just the pixels turned off. So you have pure, true black, you know, it's not um, it's not backlit black that's what the problem is with most of the other tvs is that they they light up black which is but black should be the absence of light so it should be the pixels turned off so that's the difference between oled and a normal led screen is that they try to light up and some are backlit some are side lit i obviously recommended and that tv i got now cheap and all as it was is still backlit uh, which is good, which means that it lights up from behind the screen all the way across. Uh, it's not summer side lit. I have had a TV before side lit, and when you turn it on uh, or in the, you're looking in the dark, you can literally see light leaking in from the two sides. Uh, so it was lit the whole way. So that means it's going to be darker in the middle. It's going to be much brighter on the outside. You can even have, as I say, you can even have leaking of the light from the sides. But... Most of the fairly decent one, even that one now, which was the cheapest 65 inch out there, um, still backlit, still actually gets very good reviews. Now, the, the software uh, to actually run it, it's not like Android TV is supposed to be the best uh, for running TVs. I noticed a lot of people saying to me and I've I've worked or programmed and helped set up a lot of TVs for neighbors, friends, family um, and <laughs> almost universally the the software built into smart TVs is terrible when you compare it to like Roku Amazon Fire Stick those kind of things uh, generally they're pretty bad you know they're you'll use them but they're buffering they're clunky menus you're pressing the button five times to get it to work uh, internet the Wi-Fi pickups in them are really bad the the receivers and all that uh, a friend of mine was telling me he has extremely fast broadband he's like 170 MB per second and um, uh, but when he connects with Wi-Fi using his TV's built-in Wi-Fi receiver he gets like one or two MB per second it won't play YouTube videos or anything he's like connected to his phone at the same time getting over 100 uh, standing right beside it so he's like what is going on there so yeah the the technology you know, so but I was expecting any of that with the TV I'm getting now because I I actually am using Roku at the moment, as I was saying earlier, the 4K 4K version. So uh, I find I have been using that now on my own 1080p TV the, at the moment, and I find it fantastic. It's really good to use now. I have to say, um, I have Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, and um, uh, I got it free with Air. Is the I know that was Amazon, uh, Disney Plus as well. I got the year. It was a uh, what was it, um, fifty euro for the year? Yeah. So I said that was a good deal. So I said I'd get that. Um, you know, and I've been catching up on all the superhero movies, things like that. But yeah, uh, but as I say now, I can change the settings to four K. You know, because it wouldn't obviously it wouldn't work, and the HDR part it has a HDR built in as well. So I'll be able to use the HDR and the 4K with the new TV. So that that'll be it's HDR10 as well. It's a pretty it's a pretty good one. I'm surprised now with the specs. You know, even comparison to to ones for twice the price. So yeah, it's actually hard to tell even for somebody that's into technology the actual differences between a lot of these TVs. I go get up the specs and put them side by side, and they just have different names: Gamma, <laughs> this and that, and the HDR10 and HDR9 and. Uh, there's different and and they also uh, TV companies are notorious for lying about their refresh rates as well. They have like 800 hertz refresh rate, uh, fast action something, uh, and then, then you look it up and it's actually well no, it's actually 50 hertz. But uh, they say they have this true dynamic motion engine built in, and it, it's actually oh no no, it's actually faster than. Um, then, then fifty hertz, uh, or they they make it faster, or they they do a different job, and they think by by doing that motion blur or something built in, by doing that, it's actually like giving it extra hertz. So we'll just give it extra hertz. We'll just say that is extra hertz. That is a faster refresh rate. But really, like even the the fastest gaming computer monitors and things like that are like one hundred twenty hertz, and they're ultra. Like my phone is like. Um, last year anyway was one of the best 
um, the fastest refresh rates you'll get, and that was like uh, that's ninety uh, uh, hertz refresh rate. So and like the the, the newest, most up to date uh, phones now are one hundred and twenty hertz. So and the same with yeah. So there's no there's no TVs with eight hundred hertz actual native hertz. <laughs> that's I don't think so. Uh, they're just like most of them are like sixty hertz. Uh, up to 90 hertz maybe for the, the and just everything else is just a uh, sales speak put on top of it but the, the higher you can get the better anyway uh, and yeah so yeah the, a lot of tvs are pretty pretty good anyway pretty even nowadays anyway as long as they're they're established brands you know lg samsung sony I was a bit, you know, I wasn't sure about Toshiba, although saying that now, I, I had a really, well, one of the first TVs I ever bought, like, 20 years ago, was a Toshiba, and um, my, it's, my dad still has it, it's, it's his uh, spare TV in the kitchen, we'll say, and it still works like new, so, you know, they're, they're, they're built to last, they're good quality, but I wasn't sure about uh, actual screen quality, you know, picture quality wise, but I was, um, I did some research on it, and it actually gets very good reviews, I haven't found anything negative about the panel, a lot of people say, you know, the, the actually, they haven't been that um, down about the, the, the smart TV features in it, but they just say it's about average. But it has Alexa built in, which is quite good, even though I kind of I, my whole house is set up with Google, but it's just for the remote control anyway, for giving commands, so that's fine. Uh, I can use it for that. And uh, and I'll have the Roku anyway, so I won't need, mostly won't be using the smart part of it. Uh, if it's a clunky menu or anything like that, that's okay. I have the 4K um roku anyway so i'll be using that on it so that's my <laughs> i'll have some adventures now t- uh, this evening and tomorrow uh, assembly procedure oh yeah so i have a tv stand um just a tv table with the t- current tv i have on top of it and the new one uh, i also have a a side table because the playstation and two or three and four that i have um they wouldn't fit on the table underneath it and the TV itself that I currently have is like level with the table. It's just a normal stand. Uh, so all the a lot of cables were going back and forth uh, between the the playstations. The, the I have a Wii as well. The uh, the router box and the TV and the surround sound system. So there's a bit of a bird's nest of cables going between the two tables I have. So. I came up with a plan with the new TV. I was looking on Amazon and a few different places, eBay, things like that. There's a a myriad of different types of stands for TVs. You can get literally pedestal stands that will like from the ground up to six foot. You can uh, with wheels on it, where you can have your TV that you can roll it around the place with a DVD player, a PlayStation, and and all these shelves underneath it, and it'll all roll around on one stand. You can get um, all the different course wall br- uh, mounts with two different arms and the, the TV will bend every direction you need it to. Uh, but the one I decided to get was it connects to the TV like a wall mount, but it's a pedestal stand. Uh, there isn't any shelves or anything. I didn't want anything like that. But it has a base and what it is, it's, it's height adjustable and it, it can tilt, it can swivel. So what my plan is, it's actually lifted up probably pretty high uh, off because that table is pretty low to the ground. It's like uh, knee height, we'll say, uh, the table that the TV is on. So bring it up uh, past weight, waist height, we'll say, or a little bit higher and actually move the PlayStation and the router, things like that, underneath it and kind of streamline the whole thing. Then all the cables will be in the back and I'll cable tie them up. Oh, that's another thing as well is, you know, a lot of people use cable ties to tidy up your cables, which is good. But the thing is, if you need to remove something, <laughs> that's when it becomes a mess. Is I had uh, before, I had it so nice and tidy. And then I needed, oh, I needed to remove a HDMI cable, remove something, reroute something over somewhere else or move something anyway. And I had to cut all the cable ties and then pull the cable out to try to find the origin of it. And then all of a sudden it's a big bird's nest. So I came up with an idea. I was looking for reusable cable ties, you know, like with the just uh, holes in the cable tie and you push it into the place and then that'll hold it and then you can remove it. But I couldn't see them as well. But what I did see is um, 
Vel- like a roll of sellotape, but it's Velcro. And what is you cut off what you need, you wrap it around and it'll stick to itself. Uh, so you can just open it to remove it and then reuse it again. Uh, five euro for, what was it, uh, 16 feet of it or something like that? For a lot of it anyway, uh, on one of the, 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 the Chinese product websites, we'll say. And yeah, so I've that ordered now. Obviously, I won't have it in time because the TV I just ordered like two days ago and it'll probably take over a month to come. Uh, but it will be handy uh, to organize all the cables and things like that. For the moment, I'll use a couple of cable ties and I'll actually probably just replace them with the Velcro when it comes in. But so, yeah, that's my my adventures for the next few days. <laughs> assembling that stand uh, and assembling the setting up the TV and things like that. So something to look forward to let's actually get into some tech news it might be look these things might be handy for you as well if you're thinking to shop around um and i would advise to shop around there's big diff there's big um differences between the different shops and things like that if you are thinking of a tv or any product uh a lot of people you can also you know a lot of people are afraid to buy online as well things like that because they want to see it uh, but if you have seen it in the shop and you're thinking about buying online uh, there's a lot of places, the likes of, say, Littlewoods now, uh, they do free delivery. And uh, so that's pretty good, and they have good bargains and things like that. Uh, a lot of the shops do as well because they're competing with each other. So it's definitely worth uh, looking around in the shops. Uh, but if you're with Corona and everything like that, if you're thinking of shopping online, uh, there's some good deals there as well. And a lot of them are doing free delivery. and things. Well, a few of them uh, are doing free delivery as well so that's handy for that uh nissan teases its new uh aria aria like it is in aria stark <laughs> aria electric crossover it's going to kill the night king <laughs> uh, announces their july debut date uh the company is looking for a hit and this might be it so i'm looking at a picture of it here it actually looks kind of cool it's like um it's not quite a a, a four by four we'll say or a jeep but it's not quite well, a crossover, yeah. It's not quite a car either. It's like a if you got um, one of those. What does it look like actually? The 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 one they brought back, the Pulsar. It looks like kind of like a Pulsar, longer, wider, bulked up arches, and higher up. If they put it on, if they they change the springs and made them twice the width that they were, <laughs> so it lifts it up off the ground. So it's just like a big bulked up Pulsar, smoother. It looks kind of cool. Um, yeah, so, but what is it, when do you cross over, what, did it, what is it actually for, is it supposed to work off-road and not off-road, or is it just people want to have a high-up car or something like that? I suppose that's a lot of the reason people buy them, the, uh, a lot of people who buy Range Rovers or Ford Cougars or something don't actually uh, be driving uh, up mountains and everything with it, they just, they just use it on the road, but they just want something big and bulky, but... I, it it costs on emissions and tax and stuff with a lot of them. They they have higher. I notice um, some companies have like a car and a four by four in their range. We'll say, and with almost the same engine in both. You know, say like a two liter diesel or something like that. But the tax uh, is much higher on the SUV because it's just a heavier body and I suppose it has less emissions. It's it's dragging a heavier body around the place. So, yeah, yeah, they cost a bit more, but some people just like them. They feel more secure or something like that, even though you have a higher center of gravity. So they're actually probably less safe on the road. Um, although saying that most of them now probably have five or six star uh, safety ratings and things like that. They're probably they're probably fine and safe. But just uh, in the old days, anyway, they were looking at, say, the TV shows. They used to show Range Rovers and things like that. Uh, swerving in an emergency situation where they, the center of gravity was a little high so they just roll over you know if they need to swerve say on a motorway situation where uh, another car veers across at them and they need to swerve to get out of its way where saloon cars might slide or something like that or you might be able to control it uh, much better uh, where SUVs wouldn't wouldn't uh, because of their centre of gravity, but that, maybe that was in the old days. Maybe they've they've sorted that out and they've they've managed to move the weight around to keep the weight lower. But they're still high up off the ground, so they're not going to be as good as a as a, as a low down saloon car or something like that. But anyway, the new Nissan Aria. Uh, we've been pretty sure that Nissan has been cooking up an electric SUV uh, based on its Aria concept from the 2019 Tokyo Motor Show. 
for a while now. We've seen leaked patent drawings, but what we didn't have was confirmation from Nissan that it was real or when it might debut. That changed on Wednesday when the Japanese car maker announced the production version of the Aria would debut in July. I like the name. <laughs> I do like the name now. Uh, what else do we know about it? Pretty much nothing, but given the state, given the state of Nissan's finances at the moment, we can make some assumptions. We're betting that the Aria will feature a slightly hotter version of the Leaf Plus drivetrain. Of course, yeah, they have a lot of practice with the Nissan Leaf, but it's a bigger vehicle, so it will be. Uh, it will need a lot more power because I don't think the Leaf is overpowered. Uh, I've, I've never heard that anyway. I just heard it's kind of drives like an average car, so it's not like a Tesla uh, Model S or something that would have a, that would be beaten Ferraris or anything. Um, Probably with somewhat less range owing to the poor air dynamics of a crossover. Yeah, that's another thing, uh, downside. Maybe why they're higher on uh, emissions and on fuel as well is because the aerodynamics, they're just a bulkier, bigger vehicle, less streamlined as well, of course, uh, with 4x4s in general. Uh, it's likely to have Nissan's latest and greatest iteration of its ProPilot suite, which we have liked, they said here in C- on CNET, uh, in the past and finally its new shield grille will likely be the face of nissan's uh, e- electric vehicles going forward so this article say they they suspect that there is a lot uh, riding on this for nissan that uh, they're hoping it's successful for them because uh, they're not a company on the up they're a company just uh, are, are struggling a little bit at the moment uh, what they think here so uh, it means a lot to them it looks nice though uh, i hope it does well for them and it's a good vehicle uh next up Apple has a new iOS 14. I see a lot of people talking about this online. New accessibility features like AirPods Pro audio tweaks. Um, it's added headphone sound customizations, a quick launch feature called uh, Backtap, uh, and improvements to its popular magnifier. Um, with iOS 14, Apple brings tons of new accessibility features to its devices, including some that people without uh, disabilities could also find helpful. People without disabilities could also find help. That's what it says. Uh, the latest range from the ability to customize transparency mode and AirPod Pros to this is the CNET, by the way. Uh, the new black tap feature, which lets you uh, tap the back side of your phone. Oh yeah, I seen um, MKBHD, um, a famous YouTuber. It's very good. If you look him up there, MKBHD on YouTube. Uh, he uh, he was showing this back tap feature where you can just tap the back of the phone to do things like take a screenshot. Uh, you can. I, I don't know if you can customize it, uh, but uh, it lets you do different lots of different things anyway. Uh, many of the new enhancements will likely. Uh, iPhone magnifier function, or maybe it's the they mistype here. They said without disability. I think they mean people with disabilities. You know, it, it magnifies for people that might uh, be struggling with their sight and things like that. So I presume it's for people with disability. It was a, it was a mistype in this article. Uh, many of the new enhancements will likely appeal to people who are deaf. I know here, yeah, so it is. Yeah, they definitely mistype. Uh, who are deaf or have hearing loss, uh, while other features will benefit users who are blind or have low vision. Expanding on Apple's efforts over the years to make its devices and software more accessible. That's that's very good. That's very good. It, they should be for everybody. Uh, and a, lo- a lot of these features actually work for people without disabilities as well. They actually work as a kind of enhancement. Uh, so that's that's it, it's it's a great benefit. Uh, the improvements aren't just for iPhones and iPads. Apple Watch users will now have an option to configure accessibility features as they go through the process of setting up a watch, as well as um, turn on an extra large watch face for bigger and bolder um, complications, it says. What does that mean? Bigger and bolder complications? Uh, glanceable bits of info about things like the weather. So you can just specify, I just want to see this, so make that large, fill the screen with that, with just weather. Say if you're out walking or something and you just want a weather update, uh, you can just specify that part to be prominent on your on your screen of your watch. Uh, to help people with low vision see them better. On Monday, Apple unveiled iOS 14, iPad OS 14, and its other updated software, including the annual Worldwide Developers, uh, during its annual Worldwide Developers Conference. The company uses WWDC to show off the biggest updates of its operating systems before making them available for all Apple devices uh, later in the year. Right now, developers and other beta testers have access to early versions of the software, to make their apps and to help Apple detect bugs before the improvements are rolled out broadly. That includes accessibility features. 
Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, fair play to Apple. They're making it more phones and all their different uh, software more. Actually, speaking of Apple, um, another YouTuber, uh, Macram, I think it's his name, but he's he, call, he calls himself Mr. Who's the Boss on YouTube as well. I watch a lot of his videos. It's very good. He does a lot of Android stuff. But he says he's uh, changing over to Apple. So he's going, he, he was a big Android guy, you know, top top 10 apps and different uh, hacks and different things to do. Uh, so he's going to be limiting himself an awful lot. But he says he wants to do it because he thinks uh, some of the main functions he finds Apple just do it better. They, they have a more simple version and it works better. That uh, Android is too has to fit every phone kind of a thing. Everything from a 1 gig of RAM to a 12 gig of RAM to a, you know, from a 4-inch screen up to a massive, like, 7-inch plus screen. And it has to do everything for everyone. And for that reason, it's less focused and it's less uh, less precise and doesn't isn't as efficient as an Apple where, product where it just has to work for specific products and that's it, and that they can make more out of less RAM, uh, less you know, less specs on 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 paper, because they have less uh, products to cater for. You know, they're they're only making for the few uh, that they have. Uh, so he's changed over to Apple, and uh, you know, he could end up going back and forth. He'll probably do both anyway, because. He, he'll have a lot less. Uh, he also said, "Oh, there's way more phone covers and things available because." Uh, especially in America, when you think about it, uh, the majority use Apple products and Apple only have very few products. So it's not like, oh, we're going to make something for Apple, we're going to make something for Android. If you're making it for Android, you have to make it for Samsung, Huawei, Realme, Xiaomi, and a thousand other brands that run the Android software. Whereas Apple, you're just making it for, even if you take older phones and everything, there's probably only 10 or 15 phones probably. Or, you know, there there isn't that many products to be making stuff for. And the current uh, run is probably, like, most Apple users probably have like a 9 or 10 onwards. So uh, there's, it just means that there's tons of covers and accessories and everything available for Apple products. Uh, I, you know, I never really used Apple products myself over the years, just price reasons, really. Uh, I wouldn't have the big budget to be spending, uh, so I tried to, to cheat the system by getting the highest specs I could in a phone that was uh, lesser, you know, like a flagship killer, as I say. That's why I was a OnePlus fan back in the day, uh, but now they've priced themselves out of my market anyway. Uh, because they're, they're 800 euro plus for the top spec one. So now I'm on um, Realme. I have the X2 Pro, uh, which is, you know, uh, has uh, it's a last year phone, but it's still it's still UFS 3.0, 12 gig of RAM, 256 gig storage. Uh, it still has all the bells and whistles, 64 megapixel camera. So it's really good, but like quarter the price of like the, the, the top Samsung or Apple phone. But So that's why Apple really never did uh, kind of a, a flagship killer because they'd be, <laughs> they'd be only damaging their own market. So that's why I never really used Apple products over the years. And I don't like as well that the, it doesn't have the freedom. I know there's benefits to that, that you get more streamlined kind of uh, software and all that. But I would like to try it sometime. If I if I won the lottery, I'd, I'd buy the, the, the top iPhone. But... Um, yeah, for the moment, I, uh, I'll stick to the flagship killers, as they say. Let's have a look. This is a tech-related story, I suppose. It's in it's in it's in CNET anyway. So, um, Henry Cavill on HBO Max's Justice League. It's been quite the ordeal. So, um, as we were talking about a few weeks ago, uh, uh, Zack Snyder was given the go-ahead to make the Snyder cut of the. He had to pull out of the halfway through making uh, Justice League. And somebody else took over and it didn't get great reviews. And people were calling on Zack Snyder to come back and actually do his own cut of the movie. And so they've given him quite, I think it was 30 million or they gave him a lot of money anyway to go back and recut the movie. And they're going to re-release it uh, due to kind of a fan demand. <laughs> so Henry Cavill said uh, they've also been reshooting. So a lot of the actors have, uh, are coming back to, to reshoot and things. Like that. I don't know if they're doing it at the moment. Uh, because of coronavirus but they're back soon anyway the i was reading about hollywood coming back soon 
uh, if they're not already back or but with maybe social distancing and things in place. Uh, Henry Cavill has been an intrinsic part of the Snyder Cut saga, having been in the quarantine watch party where Zack Snyder dropped the massive news in his director's cut about his director's cut of the Justice League and it would be released on HBO Max next year. Uh, Snyder Superman has now shared uh, a few more of his feelings about on the movie in an interview with Variety, published on Wednesday. He said he's just really happy that Zack got to realise his vision. He said, I think it's important for a filmmaker and a storyteller to have their intended vision released and shown to the world, and I'm looking forward to seeing it myself. It's been quite the ordeal. Uh, exactly uh, or read more about oh so that's it it was just a kind of a, a short story oh no in a nutshell uh, Snyder Cut is the version of 2017's Justice League together um, put together by director Zack Snyder uh, to take on the superhero ensemble blockbuster uh, made it to theatres uh, as he was forced to step down in the final stages of the project yeah it was he missed out on all the cutting apparently he did all the photography or most of the photography and the most important part where you actually really make the movie is stitching it together. What you decide to use, what you decide not to use, putting in the CGI, which is 99% of the movie, especially that kind of movie. Uh, so he missed out on most of that. Uh, and that's why maybe it didn't do well. What the fans say anyway, it didn't do as well. I don't know. Zack Snyder could end up making it worse. I don't know. But we'll find out. But it was his, it was his baby anyway from the beginning. So we'll, we'll find out now. When it comes out on HBO Max next year, uh, the Warner Brothers executives reportedly saw a rough cut of Snyder's footage and dissatisfied wanted changes. But the 2017, uh, but in 2017, Snyder stepped down during the editing process to deal with the death of his daughter. Uh, also, <laughs> okay, that doesn't sound good. In 2016, Warner Brothers executives reporters saw a, a rough cut of Snyder's footage and dissatisfied wanted changes. So, okay, this was in 2016. Uh, so he ended up pulling out anyway. They let him continue anyway, even though they weren't happy with his cut uh, or his original idea that he was working on, his rough cuts or whatever he was doing at the beginning. Uh, but they let it continue anyway, but he did end up having to... So, but you know what? Sometimes uh, executives don't like movies and they have been, been, been the best movies of all. Uh, Josh Whedon stepped in to handle editorial and reshoots but didn't receive a director's credit, suggesting the finished product contained most of Snyder's original, original footage. However, several plot lines were abandoned and the runtime hacked down from three and a half hours to 120 minutes. Snyder estimated the movie we saw in theatres contained one-fourth of his contribution. Uh, while we probably never know the hard facts uh, of what happened behind the scenes of the movie, uh, which was torn to shreds by critics and disappointed at the box office, at least we'll find, finally get to see how big the disparity between the two versions really is. So yeah, it'll be in, I'll still watch it anyway. It wasn't all that bad, you know, it was, it was watchable enough. Uh, okay, we're going slowly through the, <laughs> the, the time is flying. Uh, we're going slowly through the story, so I'll, um, I'll crank them out a little bit quicker. Uh, Disneyland delays, it's July 17th reopening, so Disneyland in California won't issue theme park guidance until after July the 4th, Disneyland says. Disney has delayed the reopening of its Disneyland and California Adventure theme parks in Anaheim, Beyond the planned July 17 date, it comes as COVID-19 cases continue rising in California. They have like, I wouldn't say a full-on second wave, but they have a, a, a little bit of a rise again. And hopefully that's all it is, you know, hopefully it dies down again. California, we're lucky they never got it really bad uh, compared to other states like New York. Of course, the old folks' homes and things like that uh, were huge contributors to, to that. Uh, but California were lucky that they didn't they didn't get it as bad as some other states. Florida is another one that didn't get it as bad. Um, but they've, they're still delaying. Uh, I suppose it's right, you know, rightly so, uh, to to make sure it's safe to to do so to open because you know Disneyland is a massive uh, crowd area and um, they want to make sure it's safe. Uh, they will provide reopening guidelines for theme parks after July the fourth. Uh, so. Uh, adding its tentative July 17th reopening date uh, will be soon after that. So, yeah, they're hoping 
they're, they're just moving it forward a bit to make sure everything is okay. Uh, Huawei is backed by Chinese military. Trump administration finds out. Uh, the Defense Department also uh, designates China Mobile and China Telecom as being backed by the People's Liberation Army. Uh, Huawei is owned and controlled by the Chinese uh, co- Communist military, uh, Reuters reported on Wednesday, citing an internal document from the U.S. Defense Department. Uh, the Trump administration sent uh, a document to Congress containing the names of 20 Chinese companies that it found to be backed by the People's uh, Communist Party, the Liberation Army, as they call it. So yeah, they've they've made out a list of who they think um, uh, is is involved with the the, the government, and uh, so they, I presume they'd recommend not to not to do too much business with them. Um, I also read uh, was I read somewhere online this morning that uh, Taiwan has their their five G network, and they're a very uh, kind of technologically advanced society kind of they they like to have the the latest tech and stuff they're actually setting up their 5g network with um nokia and ericsson uh so you know it just shows like a lot of people a lot of companies and countries think that it's it's huawei or no one kind of a thing that huawei kind of have all the technology and if you don't work with them you'll be behind the times and all but um i think it's taiwan said that they're working with uh they're working with Ericsson and Nokia, so that's interesting. Proving it can be done, you know, without uh, without going through Huawei, uh, that you can get your five 5G technology done with other companies. NASA scientists say icy moon Europa may be the best spot to check for alien life. A new model suggests Europa's hidden ocean could be very lively. Uh, swimming could turn out to be <laughs> the most common way of getting around in our solar system. NASA researchers say new modeling shows the interior ocean of Jupiter's moon Europa should be able to support life. It's long been suspected that the waters of Europa, which lie beneath its icy shell and are heated by tidal motion or some element of the moon's subsurface geology, might be habitable. Uh, In its latest research, scientists from NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory used data from the Galileo mission uh, to model the composition and other physical characteristics of Europa's hidden layers, including its subsurface ocean. They found that the world's waters may not be as acidic as previously thought. Our simulations coupled with data from the Hubble Space Telescope showing chloride on Europa's surfaces uh, surface suggest that the water is most likely uh, became chloric rich. Uh, lead research Mohit Malwani uh, explained in a, his re- in a release. In other words, its composition became more like oceans on Earth. We believe that this ocean will be quite ha- uh, habitable for life. Uh, the research presented on Wednesday at the via uh, the virtual Goldschmidt uh, geochemistry conference uh, has yet to be peer reviewed uh, but that's interesting yeah so they might uh, end up sending maybe uh, an unmanned probe or something like that how far away is it i don't know exactly in say well obviously it's much farther than the moon and things like that but um in relation to Mars and things like that, maybe they, maybe that's something that they could do. Maybe uh, Elon Musk could get involved, gather some samples, so you can uh, do get some uh, drill down a bit or something, and get some of the samples of the ocean, or maybe the surface might be enough uh, to 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 see what's what's going on there. Um, next up, PlayStation announces bug bounty program. Uh, a lot of companies do this to to work out bugs in their in their technology. They they set up hacker uh, rewards to see if they can break different products and things like that to make sure that they're safe before they're released or in in midlife or in this case end of life. <laughs> I don't know why they they want it done now. Uh, hacking the PS4 could get you fifty thousand dollars or more from Sony. PlayStation has kicked off a bug bounty program where it will pay you for hacking into its system. Latest console and accessories. Uh, latest console and accessories. Sony is partnering with HackerOne on the program and is inviting security researchers, gamers, and other users to test securities uh, across the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Network. Uh, the security of our products is fundamental part of creating amazing experiences for our community. The PlayStation blog said. Sony is currently looking for reports on the PS4 system, uh, the operating system accessories and PlayStation Network. A critical bug on the PSN 
will pay between 3,000 and a high severity um, bug will will pay 1,000. Um, a medium severity 400 and a low severity 100. Uh, the payouts are bigger on the PS4 with a critical bug paying out starting at 50,000 uh, with a high severity uh, of 10,000 and a medium severity 2,500 and low severity 500. It's not currently paying for bugs uh, found on the PS1, 2, 3, uh, Vita or PSP are currently published uh, third-party companies. Uh, our software published by uh, third party companies because the PS2 has been hacked anyway I don't know if the PS3 has I saw I saw somebody one time with a PS2 with some uh, something plugged into it like a hard drive or they had some they had hacked it somehow they, where they had like a thousand games and I was saying okay fair enough that's <laughs> not uh, that's not legit um but uh, yeah, but I think that even the PS4, PS3, but this was years after the PS2 finished and they weren't making games anymore or anything. So, but still, you know, uh, but the PS3 and PS4, um, I don't, I don't, I'm not aware of much hacking going on with them. I've heard it with Nintendo Wii's. I've heard it with some of the handheld consoles, but I haven't heard much uh, with the PS3 or 4 anyway. Uh, just technology is getting better. And as you say, they use they, they use the best of the best hackers. So. Um, next up, uh, watch NASA's epic 10-year time lapse. Oh, yeah, so this is something you could look up in your, something very interesting. Of our own sun blazing in the heavens. A whole hour of the hot stuff, as they call it, they call it in this article in CNET. Uh, what are you doing today? Please answer watching an hour-long NASA time-lapse video. So it's on CNET's uh, YouTube page. Uh, they, they've put up the video of a 10-year time-lapse time lapse of our own sun. You can see solar flares. You can see uh, everything that's going on. Uh, I'll be having a look at it. I haven't looked at it now yet. I'll be having a look at it, but I won't be watching an hour. I'll be uh, flicking through it to see how it got on over the last 10 years. Uh, next up, we have Segway officially ends production of its two-wheel vehicle. Uh, mall security will never be the same. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Paul Blart Mall Cop was the famous movie, uh, the security man, and he was, he was roaming around on one of the Segways. The original Segway, yes, uh, the one we often see mall security <laughs> uh, will reach the end of uh, the road in July. The companies confirmed the self-balancing scooter's demise on Wednesday uh, with Roadshow and noted that the contraption has been mighty durable amid a saturated market. Many of the original machines are still operating years, la- years later. Combined with the low turnover, the OG Segway only made up 1.5% of the company's revenue in 2019. So it was time to wheel the machine away. Segway has grown and evolved and is focusing more on consumer products such as our shared scooter business, Segway Power Sports and Segway Robotics. The company said in a statement, the decision was uh, not made lightly. While the current global pandemic did impact sales and production, it was not a deciding factor. Although the Segway was meant to revolutionise mobility when it debuted in 2001, the vehicle's price of 5000 made it a tough sell. Still, it was incredibly agile uh, and balanced itself well and only required minimal motions from the rider to propel the battery-powered scooter of sorts. Uh, while the Segway, um, while with the Segway, yeah, it became quite famous. You know, uh, did the original maker of Segway um, die while falling off of a Segway? Is that is that? A, I think I heard that. No, I think that's true. Uh, while the Segway, uh, many of us know, will depart on July fifteenth. Uh, the parent company Ninebot, which owns Segway these days after changing hands, uh, still plans to create mobility machines. Earlier this year, it showed off its new Segway S-Pod. Uh, Sutter still is just the original one. Uh, this one can do up to 24 miles per hour. <laughs> That's quite fast for something like that. Um, it, the new S-Pod looks like an egg on wheels. Okay. There's no leaning required. The original Segway, since it used uh, uses a control knob. Oh, so it just you just move it with a control knob. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, last few stories now. Olympus leaving the camera business. Oh, my first SLR was an Olympus. It was an E500 Olympus. It was not great. It had good lens technology. It was the, one of the first ones to use four-thirds lenses, uh, which is like when you could say if you had a, 
8100 was the first lens I think I got with it, which is the millimeter range of focus. And when you connected, it, it became 36360, so it multiplied it up. But a lot of the newer, like the mirrorless cameras and stuff now are using um, four-thirds lenses. So uh, they, they were ahead of the game for that. Um, so Olympus are leaving the camera business. The maker of the first uh, designed from the ground up digital SLR is going the way of Kodak, Polaroid and other historic camera manufacturers. I suppose um, Canon mostly and Nikon as well. I suppose Sony now with the mirrorless cameras, the AR line are, are fantastic. They're in, Nikon did well with their new with their new air, um, mirrorless camera they've out. Apparently is quite good, the pro version. Uh, but Sony is still on top, uh, and a lot of people. I was at a mixed martial arts event which I do f- photography for, and I met one of the photographers there, and he's he's sold off his his SLRs and he's changed over to mirrorless cameras, which means is you know the old fashioned thirty five mil camera with the mirror flipping up and down, and the digital uh, cameras just kind of copy that. They keep the mirror. You have your viewfinder now. Uh, this is just a straight up digital camera. Uh, it doesn't have any flipping mirror up and down, uh, so it has the so the viewfinder you look through when you're taking the picture is is digital. Uh, it's just a little screen, uh, but the apparently they can. There's a lot of things they can do better, and it's a more compact, lightweight things like that. And um, yeah, a lot of people are changing over to them. But one of the top photographers had had two cameras with him, both were mirrorless. You know, I think they were they, they were the new Nikon's. He had one was the kind of semi pro one, and one was the full professional one. So and that was his main one. Um, yeah, a lot of them are changing over to that, and I was very impressed. He was beside me uh, taking photos of the event. It was like much faster. Taking photos, uh, it caught focus really good. I was looking at his photos; they looked amazing. Now I have to say, in comparison to my old, uh, what I'm using now is a Nikon D610. It's a couple of years old now at this stage. It's a good couple of years old, but it still does a good job. But uh, yeah, technology has moved on, and I would, if I had the money myself, I would consider changing over to mirrorless. If any uh, companies out there want me to t- to test out and do a, a, a product review. On uh, the the new uh, Sony or the new Nikon um, 35mm uh, uh, mirrorless camera, I'd have no problem doing that. But anyway, uh, Olympus are on the way out. That's sad. They were a great company. They did they did some great. Ca- now that camera I had wasn't great, but it was you know what? It got me into the into my SLRs. It was good in in outdoor bright situations, but it wasn't great in the dark and. But compar- of course, it wasn't a full professional SLR anyway. It was just a kind of an enthusiast's, uh, a beginner's kind of a SLR. So, so uh, yeah, Olympus still be a big loss to the camera industry. That's a sad thing to hear. Uh, Twitter flags another Trump tweet for threat of harm. So Trump put out a tweet the other day and he said that he was going to stop the, the rioters and things like that. And uh, Twitter flagged it, saying that that he's threatening violence against them. Uh, he's threatening to use security against them. Uh, there will never be an autonomous zone. Oh, yeah, so um, a lot of st- st- cities around America have uh, some of the far-left people have set up autonomous zones <laughs> where they're, they're, the police are not allowed in, uh, any any public kind of authority, ambulances, things like that are not, are not allowed in. Um and they're setting up, <laughs> they're throwing some dirt on a field and setting up a community garden and just, I don't know, I don't know exactly what they're trying to do, but they're, they're protesting different things as well in there. Uh, but but the peaceful protests are still going on, uh, you know, uh, against pr- police brutality and things like that. So uh, they're, they're, there's a new bill after going through in America about police brutality, trying to do some reforms. So hopefully they can do that, make it safer for everybody, but while still keeping the police themselves safe, I suppose, uh, in in incidents where they're being attacked. So, uh, yeah, that's what everybody wants, a safer society. Uh, yeah, but uh, Twitter felt that they, his language was inappropriate or something like that uh, to, to to threaten to bring justice to the to the rioters and things like that. Um Twitter makes election day a paid holiday for US employees. Uh, the social media giant will reportedly give time off uh, for elections around the world. Uh, Twitter will give US workers a paid day off for the election day. Uh, 
offering employees around the world time off to vote in national elections. Uh, given the importance of voting going forward at national, yeah, of course, Twitter uh, are in California. So uh, California is a very left-wing state anyway, so there's, there's more than likely... Uh, won't make a big difference on the national level. You know, the, their employees are probably mostly left wing, and in a state that's very heavily left wing anyway. So, uh, yeah, but they're giving them the day off, and it's good to encourage people to get out and vote. Uh, and uh, anywhere, you know, if you want changes, uh, if you think the party that's in power are doing a good job, to keep them in, you know, whatever, whatever you want to go. Um, yeah, so that's it. There, that's it's a good idea. A lot of people could do it. I suppose if you can afford, if companies can afford to do it. Uh, Boston votes to ban government use of facial recognition in its largest uh, city on the east coast to ban the technology. Um, it's the largest city on the east coast to ban. You know, so they're banning it. Boston joined cities like San Francisco, Oakland, California, and Cambridge, Massachusetts on Wednesday in passing a vote to ban facial recognition technology for municipal use. In the second largest city in the US. Well, you see a lot of people uh, criticizing, say, the Chinese government and things for mass using um, facial recognition to kind of, uh, in a way, control its citizens and things like that. So if you're going to say, if you're going to criticize others for doing it, you should be criticizing it being done in your own country. So they are doing that. So, you know, I know it could be used to catch criminals and things like that, but they're trying to balance uh, between that and, and, people's freedom and people's uh, privacy and they've came down on the side of people's privacy taking precedence you know I suppose they'll, there's always old techniques other techniques of catching criminals and they'll just have to use those because the, the, the alternative is is too um, is too uh, in breach of people's uh, privacy uh, WikiLeaks Julian Assange is charged with recruiting and conspiring with hackers the new Justice Department indictment charges uh, the WikiLeaks founder with conspiring with L- Ludsec and Chelsea Manning to commit computer crimes. Uh, WikiLeaks founder, <laughs> it all depends on who you talk to about him. Some people say that he's an absolute hero, that he uh, found out about, uh, uh, cr- some people would say, criminality going on in uh, in certain departments, in governments and things like that. Um Others would say that he's a complete criminal and that he's putting people's lives at risk and things like that. But uh, he's been charged anyway. A new indictment doesn't add up to the 18-count indictment filed against Assange last year under the Espionage Act, but it does broaden the scope of the conspiracy surrounding alleged computer intrusions in which Assange was previously charged. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see what happened. I see well, He was in an embassy for ages and he got dragged out by his hands and legs. So that was pretty scary to see. Uh, I think transparency is good, you know, but uh, if it's putting people's lives at risk, maybe not. But if it's exposing uh, people being mass, um, uh, say, uh, monitored by people and things like that, you know, by governments and things like that, then uh, that's a good thing. So uh, I think, yeah, uh, bad things being done shouldn't be being done by anyone. You know, there's no there's no excuses for it. Uh, but people's lives being put at risk is another thing. Uh, this is some from RTE Tech News. eShop World's turnover passes 0.5 billion in 2019. Uh, Dublin headquartered online uh, commerce company eShop World has reported higher profits and revenues for la- the last year, uh, saying, uh, stating that the outbreak of coronavirus was uh, has driven a dramatic increase in e-commerce sales. Uh, eShop World's makes software that enables retailers selling in more than one country to uh, tailor their website for customers in different markets. Uh, the company said its turnover last year rose uh, by 137 million to 543 million, an increase of 34%. So that's very good. Uh, they're doing well. Uh, it's a good idea. I suppose if you want to break into another market, you'll need to adjust to that market. So it's a smart company. Uh, TikTok joins EU code of conduct on disinformation. Yeah. Um, that's strange <laughs> because TikTok is uh, another company that's been closely um, uh, tied to the Chinese the government and things like that. So it's interesting that they're joining the EU's disinformation code of conduct. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting. Uh, the, 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 we're proud to sign up to the code of conduct. Well, I hope it helps. You know, I hope they're actually um, 
it'll make sure that the what they uh, put on uh, put on their platform is is above board and uh, and everything like that. Uh, they've been known to be very strict and take down a lot of videos of stuff that uh, that they don't approve of and things like that. So I suppose this is uh, it's going along the lines of what they've been doing already anyway. Yeah, uh, Nokia to cut a third of jobs at the French arm Alcatel Lucent. Uh, Finland's Nokia OG plant is to cut 1,233 jobs, and I said it. It's French subsidiary Alcatel Lucent. So Alcatel make uh, a lot of the kind of uh, l- uh, entry level phones and different flip phones, things like that. Kind of easy use phones and things like that. Uh, equivalent to a third of their local workforce is being laid off. Uh, Nokia uh, competes with Ericsson and Huawei for work on the lucrative 5G networks. Uh, it said in a statement that the staff reduction was needed because of very important pressures and costs in the market. Also, they're kind of they have to cut that down because they have to invest in the 5G technology and things like that. Uh, 41% of Irish businesses suffer cyber attack. Uh, HISCOX report. Uh, the new report reveals that 41% of Irish firms experienced at least one attack uh, event in a six month period from September 2019 to 2020. This is among the findings of study of 5,569 companies across eight countries and was commissioned by the insurer HISCOX, which includes Irish data for the first time. Uh, the report shows that 6.5% of Irish firms have paid a ransom following a ransomware attack. Oh, so that's, that's interesting. Um, uh, it uh, in breaches among 335 Irish companies in the study shows uh, that the group was over 113 million euro, the second lowest total of eight countries surveyed. Or that they had to that they had to pay out. But despite this, uh, of the 125 Irish companies that suffered a cyber breach, Ireland also had the highest median cost of 91 or each. And uh, 91,860, or not each, but the uh, highest median, the average cost. Uh, it noted that uh, one Irish company suffered a total cyber losses of 17.8 million, with the largest single event costing 4.5 million euro. So it just proves how much uh, cyber security, how important it is. Uh, Apple to move away from Intel chips for Mac computers. Apple is to switch its own chips uh, for its Mac computers, saying the first machines will ship this year and is ending nearly a 15-year reliance on Intel to supply processors for its flagship laptops and desktop. Apple chief executive Tim Tim Cook said it marketed... Uh, it marked the beginning of a major new era of product line powered by the company's rise... uh, in the 1980s and it's resurgent in the 1990s silicone is the heart of our hardware he said uh, in the virtual ca- having a world-class silicone design team is a game changer so they're going making their own chips and they're not relying on other companies uh, well that's the whole philosophy of apple isn't it it's all kind of uh, as in-house as possible and streamlined and they make their own software hardware everything so this is just another step towards uh, kind of being more self-sufficient uh, Ines opens a new 1 million euro network operations centre in Limerick. Oh, this is some good local news. Uh, open access operator Enet has opened its new network operations centre, part of the company's new 1 million headquarters facility in Limerick. Enet has moved from its previous premises to a 14,000 square foot location in the National Technology Park in Plassey. Uh, the company said the rest of the building will be gradually opened over the coming months in line with government guidelines. Uh, rigorous health and safety protocols in line with government advice has been put in place for staff returning to work in the new facility it added. Enet has been headquartered in Limerick since 2004 and the business currently has over 120 employees across Limerick and Dublin offices with 75 located in Limerick. So that's good news for Limerick. Now we're almost running out of time. I'll just quickly go through the rest of the stories. A German court has ordered Facebook to curb data collection. So they're they're trying to uh, cut down on on uh, Google uh, taking your data. Uh, Google is, or Facebook taking your data. Google is to let you know, uh, let you use a FI number and a voice number on the same account. Uh, You'll be able to forward voice calls to FI. 
What's FI? Google's rolling out the ability to have different voice and FI numbers on the same Google account, You could, uh, which could be handy if you want to use one service for a personal number and the other for a business number. I, okay. Feature addresses the criticism of FI that FI has existed since the initial wave invites um, went out for the service in twenty one. Uh, in 2015 previously if you wanted to use your google number uh, on fi you had your port i don't know what fi is i must look that up that's my task now for for next week is to look up what fi is anyway uh fubo tv fubo tv will get espn and other disney channels starting this summer this is uh, from the verge i presume we don't have that here that's in america but they're getting some new services another growing uh, rival to netflix uh, Apple announces digital car, digital car keys for wirelessly unlocking your car uh, with an iPhone. Uh, it works over NFC and wants to support the new BMW 5 Series. So you'll be able to unlock your BMW 5 Series. I think um, Tesla already does that uh, which does it, they have it with their own app. Uh, so you can use it for that. But Apple now is doing it with BMW. And our... Oh, no, that's it. That's I was I was looking at the last story, but there is no last story. That's my that's just a, an opened page of all the different stories. So yeah, that was it. Um, I hope you've enjoyed Tech Thursday. We got through a nice bit of news today, and um, if you have any messages or anything like that, uh, you can email Patrick One Hundred Two FM. And uh, if you have any questions or any research you want me to do, if there's some product you're thinking about buying and give me an idea of what you want, what you're looking for and things like that, I can look it up. And, and uh, that's I love doing that kind of thing anyway. I'm always doing it for others. If there's a laptop you want to get and you have a specific price range and specs that you'd like to get or TV or anything like that, let me know. Uh, Patrick102FM at gmail.com. Um, Thanks for listening. Uh, this will be up as a podcast as well on all your favorite podcast apps, uh, Tech Thursday. Uh, it should be up uh, just as this show is ending now. So if you want to, if you missed something, you want to listen back to it, it should be available. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next week. This has been Tech Thursday with Patrick Sheehan. Bye-bye.